you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. All right, so we've been going through the Gospels. Most of you know this. Some of you, if you're newer, we've been going through the Gospels. Not uh, in order. We've just been taking passages and working with them. And uh, right now we're in, we're talking about uh, stewardship and faithfulness. All right, so we just started this last week, this section last week. You can always pick up those teachings uh, on our YouTube channel or or through podcasts with rmcmchurch.org. Um But Jesus came along in Luke chapter 12, and I wanted to say this to you this week. Luke chapter 12, you know, it's always always kind of silly to say, oh, this part of the Bible is really good, but uh, it is. Luke chapter 12 is another one of those incredible chapters. I was thinking, I I have taught through that chapter in the past, uh, line by line, and I don't know how many weeks that took, long time. There's a lot in that chapter but I realize I haven't done that. I haven't taken that chapter, which is not what we're doing right now. But I haven't taken that chapter and just taught it. That was, we were still over at what used to be the Holiday Inn. We had just planted the church. It was maybe four or five years into the life of the church. So it's like 22 years ago. But anyway, it's a great chapter. And it's a great place. I go back to that chapter frequently and just spend time in it because Jesus, there's so much good teaching in that chapter, but where we're going is uh, later in that chapter, three quarters of the way through or so, Jesus starts to teach his disciples and us how to live between the time that he ascended to heaven and the time he returns. And we all have that question, what are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to respond to things that go on around us, how are we, who, you know, what is our attitude supposed to be? That kind of thing. That's, I mean, you may not phrase it that way, but that's what we're all after is, Lord, how do I live a life that's pleasing to you in this age, in this time? And so he started to teach his disciples uh, along those lines. And in verse 35, we brought this out last week. One of the things he said at the beginning of this passage, he said, keep your loins girded and your lamps burning. Keep your loins girded and your lamps burning. And we saw that that picture of loins girded was, you know, where they would pull up their robes, tie it around their waist. It made firm their, uh, the, the whole area of their, what we would call the core and uh, the lumbar, you know, all of this. And it was a position of, of strength. It was a position of readiness. It was a position of being ready to run and run hard at at the master's direction, okay? And so that kind of is a framework for what we're talking about. And, and so we are not, that is in opposition to the idea, or I don't know if it's an idea, but there's sort of a lifestyle a lot of times, not just among Christians, but around, among people in general, and I believe it shouldn't be among Christians, of just reacting. Just each thing that happens, we just react to what happens We don't see that in Jesus. We don't see him just react to things that happen. Even when, you know, somebody brings him their son who was demon-possessed 
and had been that way all his life, would get thrown into the water to try and kill him, thrown into fire. I mean, it, was a, it was a serious situation. And the disciples had been unable to cast the devil out of this kid. And Jesus comes back. And so the, the demon manifests right then, starts throwing him around on the ground, foaming at the mouth, all this stuff that's described in the Gospels. And Jesus doesn't freak out. He doesn't, he doesn't jump on that situation. I, I just always am amazed at this. He says, how long has he been like that? You know, he was not intimidated. He was not afraid. He was not, he knew what was going to happen here. He was confident. He was ready to do what the spirit in him told him to do. He stood in confidence. He didn't just react, you know. And too often, that's kind of where we are. And I believe uh, as he goes down through this chapter um, and begins to talk about stewardship, I believe that quality or that mindset of stewardship, okay, is to be the overriding mindset that we carry as believers, as children of God. And so learning about that and what goes into that is, is what we're doing right now. So in verse uh, 42, Luke 12, verse 42, we looked at these verses last week. Just going to touch on them again. Add just one or two things to what we looked at last week. Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 42, it says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. So he says here, the, the servant or the steward that he considers to be blessed is the one that just simply acts in wisdom and good stewardship, takes care of, what the Lord entrusted to him. So this is not, you know, this isn't reactive. This isn't jumping from one thing or another. This is a very consistent, faithful lifestyle. All right. And he mentions wisdom, which would be godly wisdom. And we all know that that word in the Bible means correct and timely application of truth. All right. So a part of good stewardship is knowing how to correctly and in a timely fashion apply the principles of the scripture, the principles that the Lord gives us to life, all right? So again, coming back to worldview, we want to increasingly not operate from a, from a secular worldview. And all of us have some of that. We grew up in it. I mean, unless you grew up in a really solid Christian home and, you know, never watched television in your life, okay? You know, we all have some of those ideas floating around in us and we increasingly want to move from a biblical worldview. We want to actually be applying the principles that the Bible teaches us about life. So he says, the person that does that is blessed and that means they're surrounded or immersed in the favor of God. They're going to find the favor of God upon their lives. And so... The, uh, those combined qualities of godly wisdom and faithfulness. And really, we're not going to get much into faithfulness until next week, but it's steadiness. It's, it's being trustworthy. It's the Lord knowing that you're going to do what he has told you to do or even what you have said you will do. It's just a quality on the inside of us of, of being trustworthy, 
is what faithfulness means, okay? We all appreciate that in one another. So we said this last week, we'll just go through this real quickly. A a steward is a servant who's been given authority and responsibility to manage, to protect, and use the owner's good, goods, sorry, the owner's goods, to promote the owner's interests. All right, a steward is a servant. And we said this last week, I'm going to emphasize it again. A steward, no matter how much they are given to manage, they never stop being a servant. There's always a servant's heart. There's always a servant's mindset, serving the Lord and serving people. That's part of loving God and loving people, right? That's what Jesus said to do. In fact, a really good, simple definition of agape love, of the God kind of love, is living for someone else's good. That's, that's not human love. That's not a self-centered love. It's not just friendship. It's living, living for someone else's good. That's, that's the love of God. And, and Jesus told us, you know, that uh, the two core principles are love God and out of that, love people, Okay. So a steward is always a servant. He's been given authority and responsibility to manage the owner's goods, to protect the owner's goods, and to use the owner's goods for the owner's interests, not just their own. Okay? So this is a mindset we take about the stuff that we have, and we've always got to remember, we said this last week, as stewards, we are never the owner. We're never the owner. And I don't mean that on the level of you don't own your property, you don't own your business, you didn't. I don't mean that level, but the mindset is anything that's in my life, my property, my business, whatever, it all belongs to God. And I've said this to you a million times. The way we can tell what belongs to us and what belongs to God is what belongs to you, you get to take off the planet. Okay? What doesn't belong to you, you have to leave on the planet, okay? So everything, every material thing and beyond, honestly, belongs to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 24 that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In Psalm 115, 16, the scripture said the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has assigned to man. Many translations say given, but when you look that word up in the Hebrew, it means assigned. All right? So it doesn't mean we own it. We don't get to take our chunk of land when we go to heaven, you know. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to drag a bunch of stuff with us. All right? So we always have this mindset that whatever I have actually belongs to the Lord, came from the Lord, and needs to be used in a way that glorifies God. And that's kind of the heart of stewardship. What, how am I using what I have in my hands today? Stewardship always starts now. Doesn't start when we get more. Starts now. And you'll grow in stewardship when you begin to steward what you have now. You may have a, a view toward ha- increase, which is fine. That's a part of stewardship. But we steward what we have now. Okay, does that make sense to you? All right. So we're responsible to use what God gives us in a way that honors the Lord. Number two, that serves people. Okay, blesses people. 
And it displays in that, it displays the love of God for them. This was, I had a conversation after church yesterday, I thought it was a great point that I wanted to bring out, is as stewards, yeah, we're responsible to take what we have and as the Lord leads us, use it to help other people. That may be, I hope we get to this list after a while. One of the things that the scripture says we're responsible for is the things that the Lord has shown us. The revelations he has brought us, the things he's taught us, we're actually stewards over those. Well, that means we don't just hide them away. It means we use them to serve other people, okay? But whatever it is, maybe through your business, you get to employ people. Maybe as neighbors, you get to help people. Maybe you get to teach people or you need to get to, you know, interact with people and, and share Christ with them. Whatever it is, we use it in a way that honors God and serves people. We are responsible to do that, we are not responsible for what someone does with that. Does that make sense? The scripture tells us that the Lord sets a table in the presence of our enemies. The very presence of our enemies, the Lord sets a table. Okay? My prayer, and I feel a part of my responsibility as a pastor is that we set a good table here for you every week. That you are able to come here and we, you know, we, we create a, an atmosphere, a place for you to really separate this time and engage with the Lord in worship and hear what God would say to you. So I call that setting a table. The Lord sets a table, okay? We are not responsible for whether you eat or not. Or whether you nibble or whether you really eat. It breaks my heart when people don't eat, but that's not being responsible. I am not responsible and can't be for what you do with the word you hear. I encourage you to put it to work in your life. Apply it. We try to teach a real practical gospel here. But I'm just saying it's the same thing for you. The people that God sets around you, you have a responsibility to do what God's given you, you know, and we're each only a part. But to give, do what God's, you know, use what God's given you to try and build people's lives and point them to Christ. But you can't take responsibility for what they do with that. Your job is to put it out there. Their job is to do something with it, okay? That doesn't mean we just stop praying for people. I mean, that may sound harsh to some of you, but that's the reality. If you start taking on the responsibility of what they do with it, you are going to get depressed, okay? Sometimes you'll get excited because it's really good. But sometimes you're going to get depressed. You're going to get disappointed. And then you'll stop giving as much as you can give. Does this make sense to you? Okay. When you're ministering to people, your job is to set the table. Their job is to come and eat, okay? So the scripture goes on in verses 45 and 46. I'm, I'm going to move on from this, but but Jesus said, "My master, or the servant says in his heart, if the servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, at an hour he's not aware, will cut him in two and appoint, sweet Jesus, he's just love. Uh, cut him in two and appoint him a portion with the unbelievers. And the point there was, we don't want to misuse people. 
We don't want to misuse what God gives us. Just start spending it on ourselves. You know, just just getting drunk, just just spending or using whatever it is on our on ourselves. Okay, so let's go on today and let's go over to Matthew chapter 25 and let's look at some verses here. Um, and I think we're going to go ahead and read through this whole passage. I really went back and forth, but I think we need to. So I'm going to just read it from the King James Version. I'm going to start in verse 14. Most of you have read these verses about the parable of the talents, something that uh, we've most of us have read many times. But let's just read down through it together, beginning in verse 14. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. That's really an important phrase right there. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five talents more besides them. And as Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also, who had received the two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two talents, two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Tough, tough, uh, Tough passage for us in this day and age. Um, so we, I think you all know that the word talents here refers to uh, money. It refers to an amount of money. And so I just want to pull some of the principles out of this. Each of these, uh, well, first of all, in verse 14, I want you to just notice this for the future too. Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is like, okay, Whenever he says that, we need to pay attention because he's about to give us a foundational principle about how his kingdom works. Every time he says, how, this is how the kingdom of God works, this is how the kingdom of heaven works, we should really pay attention. We're about to get a principle that we can put into 
our lives. And so you know the story. He had three servants there. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, one to the last one. And two of them used what the master had put in their hands well while he was gone. Okay, so he wasn't looking over their shoulder. He used what the master had given them. Those servants used it well. And at the end brought back everything they had made to him. Okay, the one buried it in the ground. Just didn't do anything with it. Didn't get rid of it. Didn't destroy it. Just buried it in the ground, okay? And brought back, you know, what what he had been given. And the Lord called that person a wicked, but also a lazy, unfaithful and lazy servant. We'll look at that in just a second. But you notice that with each one of these, that's why I put verse 21 up here also, each one of the first two, this is the phrase we all want to hear when we stand before the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. That goes to stewardship. That reward goes to people who have been good stewards over what God gave to them. Okay? Well done, good and faithful servant. So what the Lord's looking for primarily in Stewards is faithfulness. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to never make a mistake or never do, you know, always just do everything perfectly and never make a mistake. Okay? He's looking for faithfulness to consistently do what the Lord has left us here to do, to consistently do. And when we make a mistake, we repent. Okay? And we get back on track. He, He knows who we are. All right? He knows who we are. But that, that is what, that means more to me than anything else in life. It means more to me than being the most popular pastor. I don't think there's much risk in that. You know, it means more to me than popularity with people, than making lots of money. Than, and there's nothing wrong with making lots of money if you're being a good steward over it, Okay. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But in this day and age, we see people just really addicted to popularity, addicted. I mean, they're so hungry for recognition, so hungry. I mean, this whole online world, you know, that we're living in, you know, and, and beauty and youth and all of these different things that people are just, that's where they're getting their identity And to me, it's like whatever happens, success or failure, whatever happens, I just want to try to be faithful over what the Lord has given, what the Lord has called, what role he's he's given to me. I mean, that's, I think for most of it, that's what we want to hear, right, when, when we get there. So he says here that he gave these different amounts to each of those servants according to their ability. And that means according to his understanding of their ability, which is often different from our thought about our ability, one direction or the other. We might think, oh, I can do it all on my own. More likely, we don't feel worthy, ready, equipped, uh, qualified 
for the things that God calls us to. If God is not, if the, what you feel like God's calling to is not bigger than something you can do, it's probably not God calling you. He always calls us to something that has to be done by faith in him and partnership with him. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's been that way all along. You know, you just look at the people he picked in the Bible and you look at how many of them, I mean, Moses, oh, I can't speak. What are you going to do? I'm calling you to speak for Israel. You know, Jeremiah the prophet, I can't speak. I'm calling you to speak and I'm going to give you the ability to speak. The apostle Paul and Peter. Paul's this Jewish uh, scholar and Paul sends him to the Gentiles. Peter is a fisherman looked down on by all the Jewish scholars. He sends him to the Jews. He doesn't send us to do things we can do on our own. Okay, so But, but he gives them according to their ability, which tells me two things. Number one, he knows our ability better than we do. And secondly, every one of these servants, including the one who only got one, did have the ability to steward that right. He doesn't give us things that are just so big, they're just going to destroy us. He calls us to things that are big, and if we try to do them on our own, it might destroy us, but that's not kind of his point, right? But he, he does... If he brings something into your life, and as he brings things into your life, he will install the abilities, the what you need to be able to steward that well. That keeps it in the realm of relationship and walking with him and depending on his grace. And that's the thing. When the Lord looks at you and I, he doesn't just look at what we are today, what we have, what another person might be able to see. Boyd brought those scriptures out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're supposed to be looking at one another this same way after the Spirit. When the Lord looks at you, he sees who he is making you to be. He sees the purpose that he had before the foundation of the world for you. So if you're not there today, what he's seeing is what he can do by grace in your life, where he can take you and he can install things that aren't there today. He can bring you along. This isn't, this isn't, oh, the Lord brought this in. It's just a big challenge. Now I've got to go out and make it happen. No, no, this is a partnership with the Lord and God can transform and is transforming every single one of us along the way into who he designed us to be if we're giving ourselves to him. Does this make sense to you? Okay, so he gave to each one of those. And I want to bring this out again today. This may really upset some of you, but I just ask you to think about this. Each one got different amounts. Each one began with different amounts and each one ended with different amounts. Okay, well, I guess the guy that just buried it had the same amount. But each one was given a different amount, tells us according to the Lord's perception of their ability to steward it well. Okay, so what is that? Equality is a biblical principle. Our society was founded on some principles. and One of them was equality under the law. One of them was we're, we're all supposed to be equal in the eyes of the law and we've, we've worked toward everybody having equal opportunity, which is what we see in this parable. Each one, they didn't have the same amount, but each one had the opportunity to live a life that honored God and find increase in what they did have, okay? But you do not see each one being, being, uh, having the exact same amount or ending 
with the exact same amount. You really don't find that in the scripture. I've told you this before, even in heaven, as we Christians who are already born again, already going to spend eternity with the Lord, okay, that gets settled when you make Jesus Lord of your life. But then there's this issue that comes up in the scripture of rewards in heaven. And there are varying levels of rewards, even in heaven. I don't know how all that works after we get there. But so the point is, in our society for decades, when I was growing up, we were pushing toward equality, which meant no discrimination based on race, based on uh, creed, based on religion, okay? Based on gender. And we worked, we've worked hard on that stuff. I'm not saying we ever got there. We clearly never got there yet. But, that, but we got to have the right goal or we will never get there. So equality is a biblical idea. We all come to the cross, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how old you are or young you are, we all come to the cross needing a Savior. And he offers the same salvation to every single one of us. It says in Christ, there's neither slave nor free, Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. All of that in Christ doesn't matter. We all have an equal opportunity to know him, to be saved, to, to increase in what he brings to us. Now we're talking about equity. And a lot of people think it's the same thing because the words are really similar, equality and equity. It is not the same thing. Its focus is on ensuring that everybody ends up in the same place, okay? Not just equal opportunity, but that everybody has equal outcome. All I will say on that, you can believe, you just believe what you want on the earth. That is not a biblical idea. And we don't find it anywhere in the Bible. We don't even find it in heaven. We don't find it anywhere in the Bible. So just know equality is a biblical idea. Equity is not. Do whatever you want with it. But that's the truth. Okay. One is found in the scripture. And, and it's found here. Each one of these, okay, the Lord knew their abilities, so he gave them an amount that they could steward well. Does this make sense to you? Whether you agree with it or not, does this make sense to you? Okay. So he calls the one who did nothing with what he was given. He calls that one unfaithful and lazy. I, you know, and I just started thinking about that. Why did you call him lazy. And I really believe that's because the what, what he said about God there or the master wasn't true. He said, well, I knew you to be like this. You're a hard man. You reap where you haven't sown you. And I was afraid. Okay. That was a misunderstanding, certainly of Jesus. No question about it. This parable is about Jesus and us. That's a misunderstanding of the nature of God. And God has made himself knowable to us. We can constantly be increasing in our understanding of his nature. We can know his love for us. We can know who he is through his word and by his spirit. We can grow in that knowledge in this person. So I think, I think that's why the term lazy is used there because this person just, I'm just going to bury this. I'm not going to take the time to steward over my relationship with the Lord and get to know him better, okay, which would have changed what he did with that one talent 
Does this make sense to you? So, so the primary, the primary part of our stewardship is about stewarding our relationship with God, getting to know Him, being sure we're using our time in a way that lets us get to know the Lord. It, it's stewarding over our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our learning about His voice and how He moves toward us and through us. You know, that's the primary thing, and and that's where this person fell down long before he ever buried that talent in the ground, okay? So I'll just give you a few more points. I've only got a couple minutes left. Um, I hate time. (laughs) Someday there will be no time, but I won't be up there talking either. Uh, I hope. Within stewardship, all right, there's an expectation of increase. The master came back and he expected increase. The one who just brought back what he'd been given that one was called, you know, was put with the unbelievers. That's, that's, that's what an unbeliever would do, okay? A person who doesn't know God would do. There's an expectation of increase within stewardship. And the Lord praised the ones who brought back more. And it's increased not just for the steward, but also for the master. It is doing something with our lives that bring increase to his kingdom, that bring increase to his interests, on the earth. So we're, we're here to figure out, okay, how do, I, how do I steward my relationship with him, my time, my body, my business, my, my finances, my relationships, all those kinds of things. How do, and we ask him this question, he teaches us, okay, how do I steward those things in such a way that not only does my life go the right direction and, I, and he blesses me and I find his favor, like it said in the first passage, and, and so my family is blessed and that kind of thing, but I want to, at the end of my life, be able to say, here's something that happened for your kingdom, okay? Here's something, here's increase brought to your kingdom. And when we talk about increase, I believe stewardship, the whole attitude of stewardship, and especially we start talking about material things, okay? We start talking about increase in material things. If you will maintain a heart of stewardship as, so what does that mean, okay? I know I'm not the owner, I'm the manager of these things. I'm gonna use the things that he brings to me to serve people, to honor God, for his best interest, I'm going to live my life that way, okay? And you will find increase in, in every area, in relationships, in material things, in everything. Stewardship in the Bible is a key to increase. And that mindset of stewardship will keep you from misusing what God brings into your life, from getting greedy, from thinking, well, he's just delaying his coming and You know, I can just do what I want. It'll keep you from misusing and abusing people. It'll keep you from becoming greedy and self-centered. That's the person God can trust with more. Whether we're talking about relationships, whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about building a business, whatever, a ministry, whatever it is, that's the person God can trust with more. If we will just maintain those ideas and live in faithfulness, okay? And I'll just say this, I don't have time to go there. I'm already out of time. Luke chapter 16, okay, verses 10 and 12. We'll look at them next week. Jesus made a real point of, if you'll be faithful over the little thing, I will make you ruler over much. 
But if you're not faithful over the little thing, who's going to trust you with more? Okay, we need to think about that one in terms of our employment life, in terms of you know, our, our business life, whatever it is. I think the thing to do is as a key is start thinking small. Start thinking of the little things in your life. What has God brought to you? He's brought some friends. He's brought some influence with them. He's, he's given your family. Not that these things are tiny, your children. I mean, that's a huge stewardship responsibility. You know, your, your employment, whatever it is, your day, your time, the moments of your time, the hours of your time, the first part of your day, all those kinds of things. If we will start to steward those small things, the Lord will bring increase, okay? If you steward the first hours of your day well, you're, you will have more hours in the day somehow, even though there aren't more hours in the day, your day, you will have, you'll get things done that you never thought you could get done because you did the first part. If you will steward your finances that way, if you'll be a tither, if you will honor God first with whatever it is, you'll multiply the rest. It's a principle in the scripture. But we can look at these things and we can say, man, you know, this is too big. I don't know. Just start with the small stuff. Jesus said, if you're trustworthy over the small stuff, then I will trust you with more. If you're not trustworthy over the small stuff, who would give you more? Okay, Even human beings won't give you more if you're not trustworthy over the small stuff. Man, I wish I had another hour. Let's stop. You guys okay? Did you get anything out of this? Let's stand up and pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before you this morning. We all need to learn stewardship. I mean, I know we've heard these things, and, and Lord, in some areas we're really good at it, and others maybe not. But Father, Lord, we see in these verses that this is, this is really foundational to our lives. And Lord, we don't always know how we're approaching things. So I would ask this morning, that by your spirit and by your word, just as days go by, Lord, as we give ourselves this, that, Lord, you build into us what you need for us to be good stewards. And I just feel this come up in my heart right now. For some, it's fear. Lord, we ask you to address our fears about using something. We feel like we've got to use it for ourselves. And Lord, if we'll use that first part for you, Lord, you'll make more. And so, Father, again, we come back to you. There's nothing impossible with you. And Lord, uh, if, if any of us, Lord, are just afraid to step out and steward some area of our life, well, maybe we've been hurt there. Maybe we've felt lack there. But Lord, if uh, we just ask you to teach us, ask you to build into us these qualities, Lord, of faithfulness and wisdom so that, Lord, we can be good stewards of what you have already brought into our lives. And for some, I pray this morning, Lord, you would show us those small areas. What are you asking us right now to pick up and steward well or steward better or steward for the first time? Lord, we just trust you to show us and show us how to do it. As we go out into this community, we recognize we are the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are believers all over this valley. But Lord, as we go out, we recognize we have a role here to carry your kingdom, to carry your presence, to carry your love, Lord, to people. 
And we want to steward that role well. So, Lord, we ask you to teach us. We ask you to grow us, change us, do whatever you need. So that, Lord, we can take care of the things you've put in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We are going to be dismissed. We're going to say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. There's some great snacks out there. So I encourage you to stay around, get to know some people, have a little snack, get some coffee, hang out. Okay. And then tonight, six o'clock, we'll be back here to worship. All right. Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.